And as India's GDP per capita increases, right, so let's say when we cross $4,000 per capita, actually that is when the real inflection point on consumer spending starts to happen. Okay. How far are well, they? Like six, seven years from now, right? So welcome to Outliers, uh, Rajan. I mean, I'm very excited to have uh, with us uh, Rajan Anandan, who doesn't need much of an introduction if you have had anything to do with uh, internet in India. Uh, you know, this uh, podcast, we call it Outliers. Uh, of course, the, most of the people I interview on this podcast are outliers, <laughs> and uh, for for good reasons. And uh, I think I have watched you as a journalist uh, for well over like five, seven years. And uh, you have always been uh, a very passionate digital warrior when it comes to uh, the whole internet story in India. Uh, you are also a very active. Uh, angel investor who backs early ideas uh, in India and, uh, and someone <clears throat> who always kind of uh, sets the tone for the big picture. I remember you talking a few years ago about how you believe that every, I think three or five years, you believe that India will produce uh, a billion dollar uh, internet company. Uh, and, uh, and, and then, uh, investors, people in the industry uh, would look at what, is, what you are saying and then a lot of, uh, it will find its way into a lot of PPTs, pitch decks and, and so on. So, so that, that's been, th thank you for uh, you know, being that source of insights all these years. Uh, I just wanted to start this uh, conversation, Rajan. I mean, so who you, I mean, can you take us through uh, who you really are? Uh, where do you come from and what is behind this uh, I mean, obsession with all things digital and internet? How, what, what, when was the, the time when bug bit you? I mean, what, what really happened? Why, why are you so immersed in this whole internet and digital and things like that? Yeah, so I think, uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be here with you. Look, I think uh, I've been interested in technology for a long time. I, uh, went to MIT. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, if, if you went to MIT, you either loved technology or at the end of it, you knew so much about what was happening at the time. Um, and I actually, you know, I remember my sophomore year, junior year at MIT, I was working on neural networks. This was 20 years ago, right? Now, finally, it's coming to coming to mainstream with, uh, with, with things like deep learning. So it goes back uh, a long way. You know, after MIT, I went to Stanford uh, and then worked at McKinsey for a long time. So I was not in the tech business, but I did a lot of work with technology clients. Um, in fact, 97, 98, 99, 2000, um, you know, when every consulting firm in the world was also trying to uh, have, have their role to play in the internet, you know, I pretty much spent all my time uh, working with internet companies of various sorts, and this was in the late, late, uh, late 90s, so four or five years. So I, I've seen pretty much every cycle of of the internet. And then when I left McKinsey, I went to work for Dell, again, not in the internet space, but in the broad tech space. And then since then, I've been, well, you know, with various, uh, well, Dell, Microsoft, and now Google for six or seven years. Look, I think uh, when it comes to the internet, uh, especially in India, uh, right, my view is very simple. You know, if you, if you take a, a long-term view on India, even before you come to the internet, uh, you know, there's only one way 
uh, to look at India, right? Which is, it's going to go way, way up. Um, so I'm, I'm a perennial India bull. Uh, and, and then if you sort of look at the internet, in many ways, internet is going to make, uh, you know, India's potential, you know, reach even, you know, f greater heights, if you will, and uh, will help us get there faster, right? So, you know, the seventh largest economy in the world will be the third largest by 2025, and by 2030, you know, we could be striking at the doors of, you know, being second. So, you know, I think the, the macro story is very strong, and if you look at the internet, and, you know, we've seen this really over the last two or three years, right, is the ability for the internet to impact lives, mm -hmm. especially in a country like India, right, where a lot of access to basic information, basic services doesn't exist because of the nature of the country and the stage of development that we're in. I think technology broadly, but internet specifically, but technology much more broadly has the potential to um, transform a billion lives. And I really do, and I really do believe that. And, um, and over the last two years, as we've launched a number of these ecosystem initiatives, right? I think I've been able to see that firsthand, right? So whether it's internet, Sati in the villages, et cetera. So, so I'm, look, I'm, I, I, I really, and, and all this, I'd, I'll end by saying, you know, to this first question, we're still in the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, in our lifetimes, right? If you look at the next 40 or 50 years, I think the change we're gonna see in the next 30 years is going to, you know, literally be 100 times the change we've seen over the last 20 years, right? So if I go back to 1995, when Netscape, uh, you know, was around 97. Amazon went public, uh, you know, and compare that to here. Yes, there has been a lot of change. There's been, you know, there's three and a half billion people on the internet. But if you fast forward 10 or 15 years, I think we're going to be in a whole different place, and that's super exciting, right? And and India has leapfrogged on everything, not because we wanted to, because we had to, Clear. right? And um, and I think internet and technology uh, is going to help us leapfrog just about on every front. Uh, leapfrogging also had its own challenges. And I, I say that because, <coughs> of course, you met and known a lot of internet entrepreneurs in, in India for a long time. But uh, one of the things that uh, you, you know comes across is the maturity of these entrepreneurs uh, when it comes to growing beyond a scale and handling the kind of complexity they have never done before. Uh, when you look at the companies, the crop of companies, the biggest uh, internet companies in India today, uh, what will it take for them to last for another decade or two decades or three decades or whatever is, is, is that time period? Because uh, it's also about building institutions uh, and there are always mortalities for uh, obvious reasons. But what do you, when you look at this bunch today, uh, first of all, how many you think will go you have seen cycles yourself and the ones that fail or die why will it be? look I, I think first thing to keep in mind is we seem to be shocked when we see startups uh, shutting down mm -hmm. but the reality is that's sort of what startups do they start and they very very few of them succeed and even the ones that succeed have you know some limited period of span of life and then they, you know, either get acquired, merged, whatever happens, right? So, so I think I don't think we should be surprised by any of what's going on. I mean, it's very normal. Um, you know, I think if you look at the current, uh, let's call it the top ten companies, Indian uh, internet companies, right? Look, I think there's a pretty good shot that at least half of them mm -hmm. 
will become very large companies, right? Uh, very large companies. And the reason I say that is, you know, we look at them today and say, you know, they're large. But you have to keep in mind that, you know, India's GDP per capita is $2,000. Okay, so although we have a large number of internet users, the reality is the addressable markets that we're in are quite small. You know, um, the digital ad market last year was about 1.2, 1.3 billion. China's digital ad market was $30 billion, right? So uh, Australia's digital ad market is $4 billion. So because, you know, a lot of these addressable market sizes are tied to GDP per capita. And as India's GDP per capita increases, right? So let's say when we cross $4,000 per capita, actually that is when the real inflection point on consumer spending starts to happen. Okay. How far are well, Like six, seven years from now, right? So, which means, by the way, what that means is for the next six or seven years, we'll grow at 30, 40%, whatever. But then beyond that, it's going to double every year. Okay. So, which is what basically China went through, right? So, in 2009, Alibaba's GMV went up $50 billion, $50 billion one year. Because that year, China's GDP was $3,900, right? And you can go through other economies as well. So, it's very early days, right? And, um, and I think at least half of these companies, because, you know, and the reason I say that is, number one, they're market leaders. Number two, although, you know, they've had ups and downs, um, they've been very, very resilient. Uh, they have adequate amount of capital. They have very broad-based, deep management teams. And most importantly, I think they're loved by consumers, right? So if I look at the number one player by a long margin in India in the travel space, it's Make My Trip, you know, with the IBBO merger. Even before that, they were number one. Now they're number one by far. If you look at Deep Carver and the management team, I mean, this is a spectacular management team, right? <laughs> this management team can take on any company anywhere else in the world. Now with the backing of C-Trip and NASPER, uh, they've got enough capital uh, to go for the next 15 years, right? Um, you know, air travel is growing at 22% year on year. Uh, you know, we'll have 100, 200 million Indians taking holidays, you know, 10 years from now. And so the travel market is going to become 10 times, 20 times larger, right? So Make My Trip now is trading at about 3 billion. I mean, it's a public company, right? Is there a reason why Make My Trip can't be a $30 billion company? Absolutely not. You take a 10, 15 year view, Make My Trip should be a 30, 40 billion dollar company market value, right? Um, so, you know, you can go through different spaces, right? Uh, and my view is at least five of these companies will. And I think the companies that will, will have a few characteristics, right? I think to me, the most important one is that they, they have very strong teams, leadership team at the top uh, that can stay together, that can go through battles, that have seen scale, etc. That's very, very important. I think second, it's also important to have uh, either a truly differentiated strategy or at least a differentiated set of capabilities, right? Uh, and and that's, this is one of the reasons I actually think uh, uh, I'm very bullish about a number of these companies, right? Uh, because I really do think they have differentiated capabilities. A lot of people think that they look like the same businesses. Yeah. But actually, that's not the point. The question is, do they have differentiated capabilities, right? And the third is, you know, they need to have capital. Because, you know, if you, because this is a long game, right? Meaning, you know, these addressable markets hit an inflection point when GDP per capita crosses a certain threshold. And whether it's $4,000 or $3,000, we're still a few years away, right? You need to have enough capital to see your way through that. And those are the three things that you really require, right? And, uh, and I think, you know, many of our companies actually, actually do have it. And uh, we'll see, you know, I'd be, I'd be surprised, you know, 2030 when we're having a chat, 
if you don't have you know five ten companies that are north of thirty forty billion dollars a cap. Good. Remember, by two thousand and thirty, Indian economy is bigger than Japan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. It's five trillion dollars. Mm. NCR is bigger than Indonesia. Mm. By two thousand and thirty, the GDP of NCR, the national capital region, is bigger than Indonesia. So you'll be able to build a billion dollar company just sitting in NCR. So, you know, if I'm still investing in 2030 and I'm living in Delhi, I'm not leaving Changipuri. I'm only going to back companies that are going to just work in NCR. Just like Indonesia. Take it by storm right here. You know, that is what people miss is that if you take these numbers and you compound them, they become gigantic. Yeah. The thing with numbers is also, if you look at e-commerce itself, uh, a lot of uh, companies from Flipkart to others have, have talked about this. It's also been a little slow uh, from what they expected it to be the whole uh, online buying itself how many users are actual buyers then you look at uh, not just imi numbers but a lot of other numbers that keep coming in and people then so so internet users and transacting users are two different things altogether uh, so there's been some uh, i mean mismatch in terms of expectations uh, this is slowness that that gets talked about why do you think it's there and so what I, can be I better? think, look, uh, there are 400 million, you know, in, in, internet users, right? Um, by the end of this year, we'll have 300 million of them on broadband connections, most of them active on a daily basis. So we are well beyond the point of are there enough users, are they very active, etc. right? I think you're getting to the affordability question. Okay. Look, at the end of the day, if you look at a lot of e-commerce that we've seen so far in India, it's about discretionary spending. It's not about basic needs, right? And to have a lot of discretionary spending, you need to have a lot of discretionary income. Okay? There are only 10 million households in India that have household income of over 12 lakhs a year. Only 10 million households. Okay? 10 million households is about 50 million people. How many buyers do we have in e-commerce? About 50, 60 million. Pretty much says that any household that has over 12, 10, 12 lakhs a year is now buying online, which make, kind of makes sense, no? Because if you have that kind of in income, then you're probably buying online, sure. right? So then there's another 20 million households or so between five and uh, five and 10 lakhs a year, and they're slowly beginning to buy online. So, look, we had two years ago, I think our team together with, you know, we do various research. Today we're actually announcing a big piece of research on education, online education. You know, we had said the e-commerce market will be $50 billion by 2020. I actually think we have a shot of getting there. Right, because last year was about 16, 17 billion. Even if you grow at 35%, you get to about 40 billion. Okay. Right. So um, yes, it's not doubling every year. But it's I not think 50 billion either. You no, know, but no, but it's not 50 billion. We said no. 50 billion by 2020. No. We are in 2017. Sure. Right. So I think look, we got used to the 100% every year. But 100% every year, as I said, right, 100% every year will start happening when the income per capita. GDP per capita crosses a certain threshold. In e-commerce, we think that number is about $4,000 per capita. Right? This is what we've learned from you know, various markets around the world. Um, in other industries, there are different threshold points, right? But look, 30, 40% growth is nothing to sneeze at. Of course. You know, <laughs> you know a lot of businesses would love to have 30, 40% growth. I mean, we just had, you know, as an ecosystem, I think we had high expectations that we would sustain the 100% growth that we saw for several years. But I think 50 billion GMV by 2020, I think is going to happen, which is what we said two years ago. That's what it's going to be by 2020, and I think we'll get there. Uh, last uh, two, three things I wanted to ask you. So one of the other things is you have also watched uh, Indian entrepreneurs and founders very closely. 
uh, one of course uh, uh, because you 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 invest in some of them but also as an ecosystem uh, you know leader you you do have that view um, what makes and what doesn't you know what works and what doesn't work from what you have seen uh, yeah i think uh, look i think what works uh, is 5000 years of entrepreneurship <laughs> right entrepreneurship is in the dna right i mean this is really a country of entrepreneurs right it's the largest self employed nation in the world i mean you know it's just unbelievable right uh, country of 1.3 billion that basically is a self employed nation so i think uh, history of entrepreneurship and you know as a result you have people who are passionate about being on their own making it on their own things like that so that's one second i think technical skills are very strong i mean these are not advanced you know let's say ai skills but you know just technical being able to build stuff etc third is you know being able to just get stuff done overcome barriers i mean doing business in india is hard right so it takes a certain level of tenacity perseverance all those kinds of things and i think over the last 3 or 4 years our entrepreneurs have started thinking very big right i mean the ambition is now there right uh, i remember when i uh, when i moved back in 2005 and made my first investment in india in 2006 um, you know nobody wanted to build billion dollar companies and go global and all of that today everybody wants to which is great i think that's good you need that kind of ambition right uh, i think the things that we have learned that we need to get better at is one how to build teams right i think you know like uh, if i look at every business that i've led I mean the only thing that has made us successful is our team. Strong teams stayed together through the ups and downs, work well together, complement each other, and we were there for each other, right? So when I see a startup that has a lot of churn in a management team, that's when I get worried. Because there's no continuity there, right? Uh and the reality is regardless of how good you are as a founder or a founding team of two, you can't do everything. so you have to build a team i think that's one i think second look for there was a period of probably 2 or 3 years in our ecosystem but that period ended maybe 12 months ago right where we got into this uh we 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 got into this mode of growth at any cost sure. you know go now grow fast invest whatever it takes go win the market and i think that approach may work in a market like china which fundamentally is a very large addressable market right so there is enough money that can be spent on a product or a service if you went out there whereas here i mean we go back to 2000 dollars per capita right the market just isn't there so it doesn't matter how hard you try um, you know it's going to take its time so so i think that's the other thing we've learned but i think now we've you know it's amazing when i look at my portfolio of angel companies angel investments a huge number of them have become profitable because they had to you know a great thing about this is necessity is you know like if you can't raise money you have to be profitable right and there i think that is what shows the agility of indian founders is once they figure out okay can't raise money they have to get profitable no other right <laughs> so then they get profitable like you are right factor <laughs> daily i'm sure you're profitable from day one right yeah i mean i think that's very clear if you don't if, uh, the other thing is that uh, keeps coming i mean being being talked about is google itself what business will you enter next uh because as a, a kind of a like a company that sets standards builds platforms for other businesses to come and build their businesses uh like uh, is google entering e-commerce is google getting into food business you know food tech business and so on right a lot of entrepreneurs also worry and spend time thinking about these things uh with every little move with every little sign or signal that comes out of google so can you can you talk about that 
what will you do and what you won't do? And I, I know it's a difficult, yeah. but, but you understand where I'm coming from. Because a lot of yeah, so I think, I think firstly it's important to think of Alphabet, right? So if you look at Alphabet, we have Google Inc, which is our core internet businesses. I'll talk about that. And then we have lots of other, right? Waymo, which is, you know, autonomous cars and so on and so forth. Uh, let's talk about Google Inc, which is our internet internet business. Look, at, the, at, at a simplistic level, look, we're a platform company. That's what we are, right? Android, Search, YouTube. I mean, we're a platform company, Chrome, etc. And we're in the business. I mean, our mission hasn't changed, right? Uh, which is to make the world's information uh, discoverable to, to everyone. And in India, our mission is really very simple, right? Uh, internet for every Indian. That is our mission, right? So, look, we, and, and so the way you should think about this is, so anything that is critical to getting Indians online, right, uh, to make the internet useful to them uh, is something we will focus on, right? So, for instance, if you ask me what, what's our number one priority in India right now, uh, it's basically affordable devices, mm. right? Today you can buy a pretty high quality smartphone for five or six thousand rupees, but, you know, for the next 200 million smartphone users to come online, we need to get to about 2,000 rupees. And then if you want to make every single feature phone user in the country use a smartphone, we have to get to sub 1,000. Mm. That's going to take a huge amount of effort, right? You take a second big barrier we have is local languages. Mm. So we have a huge focus on local languages, right? How do we make the internet accessible, voice, keyboards, right? Uh, so the whole, you know, translate mm. translation initiative that we announced uh, about a month or two ago, that's like hugely, hugely important. Um, and so on, right? getting small businesses online, very, very important to us, right? 51 million small businesses in India, only 30% have a web presence of any sort, Facebook page, website, just style listing, etc. Like, you know, all of it added together is so like less than 30%. So how do we get 20, 30 million small businesses online and make the internet useful for them, right? That's sort of very strategic. So, so you know, those are the things that are really important to us. Um, but like for instance, we are not in the e-commerce business, right? Uh, you know, we are not going to have thousands of people delivering product. Um, we are not in the food delivery business, right? Uh, you know, we are in the information discovery business, right? So when we think about shopping, how do we make sure that consumers can discover, if you're looking for a Samsung S7, sure. can we really make sure we tell you all the different places where you can get your Samsung S7? Okay. But where you're going to buy it and who's going to ship it to you and then who's going to take care of a return and your service, that's somebody else's problem. <laughs> that is not a business we want to be in, right? So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I also think entrepreneurs overanalyze. You know, find a consumer, real consumer need and solve it better than anybody else, right? And if you can do that, you'll build a great company. So. Okay. Final two questions. <clears throat> the first is, uh, I mean, there's a raging debate these days in the ecosystem uh, about a potential uh, downfall of a snap deal, for example, right? Now, I'm not going to discuss the deal and all that. I mean, it's a different thing altogether. But <clears throat> the debate is uh, failure or success. And I think this is just the beginning. You said, right, this is very early in our ecosystem. So going forward, we are going to see all kinds of things happen, right? This seems to be one of the such early things that is happening and people are spending time analyzing. Uh, is it, uh, has it failed or is it a successful exit and, and so on and so forth. Because when I speak to a lot of investors also who are going, I mean, about selling India's story outside, they are also looking at this and wondering how do we explain this outside. Uh, when you look at something like this, how do you think this should be analyzed? 
what do you think is happening? Yeah, so look, I mean, the way I think about, you know, there were three or four companies in India, right, that have shaped the e-commerce industry, right? And 15, 20 years from now, there'll be case studies written about how India became a $200 billion e-commerce industry, the second only to China, right? By 2030, that case study will be written by Harvard or maybe there's going to be some university in Asia that'll be even more prominent. And Snapdeal is going to be one of those three or four companies, right? Because the reality is we've had to convince 50 million consumers, first educate them of what e-commerce is, second, you know, convince them through discounts and other things, third, give them a huge range, fourth, build all the logistics infrastructure to deliver all these products, right? And then take care of customer service and all that, right? So, so I think it's really admirable that, you know, the journey that, uh, that they've been through. So, you know, my always view is, you know, what a person's or company's or government's contribution was is not assessed at the time okay. but is assessed a decade or two later when you look back okay. right most if you if you didn't have an impact nobody's going to remember sure. right if you had a either positive or negative impact you'll be remembered one way or the other and i think uh, snapdeal will be remembered in a very positive way because genuinely i believe that kunal and rohit uh, you know tried very hard right and the reality is look they build a company with you know several billion dollars of gmb and as would happen in many of these spaces, right? You know, there's a period of rapid growth. Uh, then there's a period of consolidation. And I think in e-commerce now, we're going through a short period of consolidation, right? Where some of these companies will get merged, acquired. Uh, and then there'll be another big period of growth where there'll be many more companies that, that can come up, right? Uh, and now whether, you know, whether it was a success or not, really depends on who's looking at it, right? If you're an investor that came in at five billion valuation, you know, you may not be as happy, but where, on the other hand, if you came in at 50 million, you know, billions are bad, right? So, uh, uh, so, so I think it really depends on the, the eye of the beholder. Look, I can tell you from, from my view, sure. uh, I think they've made an enormous contribution to building the ecosystem, right? There are those few companies, I think 10, 15 years from now, we'll look back and say, these companies really help build our ecosystem. Some of them at that point will be standalone, very large. These are the 30, 40, 50 billion dollar category companies. And some of them would have been combined with others, right? And that to me, that's like, you know, it's human evolution, right? And it's corporate evolution. I mean, these things, these things happen. And uh, what are Google's lessons from India? Like, if, if I ask you now, yeah. uh, have there been any surprises? Uh, no, what think, were the key lessons? Yeah, look, I think uh, India surprises us every day, right? Uh, uh, by the incredible, you know, appetite that Indian consumers have for the internet, right? So if you look at what we geo launching last year, you know, in September, you know, from September for about five or six months, what the, what we saw with the internet in India, we have not seen with the internet anywhere else in the world, in the history of the internet. All these curves are like this, right? So actually, while the whole, everybody in the ecosystem seems to be preoccupied with funding, paucity, etc., actually, we see a very different side of the story, which is explosive consumer demand on consumer products, right? Because what nobody understands is when you have 100 million consumers consuming 20 GB per user per day, what does that mean for consumption, right? And even, and then what, what that prompted other carriers to do, right? So, um, so, you know, that it was the world's largest experiment of what, what would happen to connective, what would happen to internet consumption mm. if you took the price of data to zero. It's explosive. It's 20, no, nobody in the world ever saw this, right? There was a time when Reliance had more data traffic than all the U.S. carriers, mobile traffic, put together. 
more than China Mobile with 700 million subscribers, right? So, so I think so we are we are surprised every single day of Indian internet users' incredible appetite for the internet, for consumption, for new products, for new services. So that's one. I think second also, what are the differences of the Indian users, right? Uh, local languages, super, super important. Um, even with now the pervasive 3G, right? Uh, the reality is there are many parts of rural India where connectivity is quite poor. Affordability is still very, very acute, right? Because the reality is even 50 rupees is still quite expensive. So that's why we are seeing, by the way, India is now, about two quarters ago, India became the world's largest offline internet. Right? Meaning, if you take the connected smartphone users, right, the so 300 million connected smartphone users, on average, they spend more time on their apps offline than they do online. Yeah, and the reason is affordability, right? Because you know, if you if you if you if you still have to pay even five rupees or ten rupees or fifty rupees, user would rather. And in fact, some of the most interesting startups now they build their apps offline first, right? So those have been uh, pretty interesting. And uh, so so it's a lot of you know understanding. And like for instance with Internet Sati, yes. right? Where we are now in seventy thousand villages. Um, We've got 20,000 full-time internet sathis where we are helping women in rural India get online. Single biggest le learning from, from that initiative is to get the next three, four, five hundred million Indians online, we have to build products and services that improve people's livelihoods. They're not going to get online for social, for messaging, for entertainment, right? They're going to get online because they see a way to make another 500 rupees. And if you can help them figure out how to make another 500 rupees, they will get online, right? So we learn every day, and it's been really fascinating to understand the, the user. And in, in, in a line, uh, Rajan, this appetite that you're talking about and what is happening on the larger internet scene, what will it take for an entrepreneur to translate that into profitable business? Because yeah. that's where the holy grail is, right? Uh, because you talk about this big picture, but you still find a lot of people trying to figure out or force fit other templates from other places, you know. So the whole holy grail is how do you translate this big picture macro opportunity into a profitable startup, into a great idea. So from what you have seen, what is that key thing? No, I think I think the only thing that really matters is to solve a real problem that's a real problem in India. Right? And then build a model, business model, which balances growth with sustainability. So what I mean by that is like, you can't invest a huge amount of money and expect the market's gonna grow when the market is not that big, right? You also can't expect to launch a business where it's not really a big need here, right? So let's take uh, let's take education, right? Today we're launching, a, if you're around, you should come by. Actually, no, it's, we had the media event this morning, but we're gonna talk about online education. We think it's gonna be a multi-billion dollar opportunity over the next four or five years. Because Indian consumers spend 20, 30 billion dollars on non-formal education in India, okay? Yeah, it's the largest non-formal education market in the world, right? Yeah. It's like matrimony. Nobody ever thought you could build a matrimony company that's gonna go public now soon, yeah. right? So I actually think India is going to lead, is gonna build a whole set of companies the world has never seen before, like Red Bus, like Bharat Matrimony, you know, like Teen Pati. I mean, these are like companies don't exist, right? Because they, they cater to a unique Indian need. And I think this next phase of uh, growth that we'll see in the ecosystem is really going to focus on solving for India, okay. right? And, uh, and I think that's really important. We should solve for India. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rajan. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. Thank you. Take care.